for the politics of Nashville, to the history of the Upper Cumberland. This is the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. On this special episode of Backroads and Backstories, we invite you to listen to a recording of a recent telephone town hall hosted by Senator Paul Bailey. During the town hall, Senator Bailey, along with special guests, Commissioner Jeff McCord and Assistant Commissioner Rusty Feltz of the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development, Mark Farley, Executive Director of the Upper Cumberland Development District, Tyler Asher, Director of the Small Business Development Center, and Kurt Dronebarger, Director of White County Schools, discuss current issues of the Upper Cumberland, including unemployment, help for small businesses, and public education. The town hall was moderated by Ryan Burrell of Spry Strategies. We got a poll question tonight, friends, and um, we just simply want to know whether you are more concerned with the economic impact of COVID-19 or the health impact of COVID-19. Uh, but first, we got a question from Donnie in Putnam County. And Donnie's got a question we all have on our hearts, and that's the governor has said to reopen the state. And just what is the latest information uh, concerning that, guys? Well, uh, thank you. Then again, this is Senator Bailey, uh, Ryan, for that question. So the governor announced uh, late this afternoon that uh, restaurants can begin opening uh, on April the 27th with 50% capacity, and then on April 29th, uh, retail businesses will be able to begin opening their businesses. Uh, tomorrow he'll be announcing further guidelines relative to other businesses and how they will be able to open safely. Excellent. Uh, just want to throw out another question from Tina in Monterey. And Tina wants to know how long it's going to take to get the latest SBA loans from the federal government. I'm going to throw that question over to Tyler Asher. Uh, Tyler, if you don't mind, uh, you can jump in and answer that question. Uh, thank you, Senator Bailey. I'd be happy to answer that. Uh, we are fully expecting the House did pass the bill uh, this afternoon. They fully expect the President to sign off on it tomorrow. We were told to be expecting funding the first part of next week, that they would start allowing uh, the payroll protection loans to start being processed again, and then, of course, the uh, economic injury disaster loans would begin to get processed again. Okay, we've got another question yep. from uh, Danny. And Danny would like to know where the best uh, local state resources are uh, concerning all of the topics tonight, SBA, loan, SBA loans and paycheck protection program. Mark, you or Tyler could uh, jump in again and answer that question. I'm going to jump in first, and I'll turn it over to Tyler. Obviously, there are a lot of programs being pushed down from the federal level that will be flowing through the state government. Uh, some of those have already hit and come on board, and but we still expect many, many more programs uh, to be established over the next coming weeks. So, obviously, uh, your, your regional agencies, the Upcoming Development District, the Upcoming Human Resource Agency, will have access to a lot of that information. We may or may not uh, actually uh, administer those, but we can certainly point you in the direction of where the newest and latest programs are at. 
As far as SBA, you're probably going to see just a continuation of the two main programs. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, you, you will find a lot of information on the SBA's main webpage, uh, also the Tennessee Small Business Development Center uh, webpage or any of their social media outlets. Uh, and then if you have really specialized questions, feel free to reach out to me directly, and we will get you an answer. Okay, great. Again, you guys questions lining up here. Uh, sorry, Senator Bailey. No, I'm just saying yep. I just want to make sure that everyone understands that, uh, that Mark and Tyler are at the Upper Cumberland Development District in Cookville, so they're definitely local to be able to help our local businesses. Outstanding. We're going to go to Bill Barnhill. Bill, you're on live. Yes, hi, uh, Bill Barnhill here. Uh, just curious, when all of the applications for the unemployment program are going to be processed? I know my daughter, I'm speaking for her, she applied uh, up in Cookville about, oh, four weeks ago, and she's still not heard back. Commissioner, so, uh, would you like to jump yeah, in there let me, on that let me, let me do this first, and then, um, and then I'll kick it to Rusty for any other. So... The, um, the program for our traditional unemployment insurance that uh, has been traditionally uh, functioning um, is the same as it's been um, with the addition of a $600 adder from the federal government. And, so, and then the other major one is the, um, the unemployment insurance that's been expanded to sole proprietors in 1099 and, and uh, employees, and so I'm not sure which one of those she's with, but let me answer the question for both of them, and I'll kick it to Rusty. The first one is we've, so far this week, there's been 225,000 people that um, have received payments on their claims, and without knowing her specific situation and the nuances of that, I can't speak to her specifically, but there is a lot of, of people being paid uh, or receiving benefits from the traditional claims. The other one for the 1099 employees and the sole proprietors, um, it's called Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. Those claims, we had to build the system to make sure that those claims could get processed, and those claims will start to be processed and um, distributed for benefits starting tomorrow. And so I'm not sure if that gets your question completely, but let me kick it to Rusty to finish out that answer. Yes, so that's a good question. Um, normally the federal government, our funding body, um, requires that we pay people that are eligible for benefits within a 21-day timeliness period. And I never like having to use the word that depends, but Commissioner McCord is exactly right. It depends on which program that specific scenario falls under. If it was regular covered wages, it could just be due to volume or an answer back from the employer perhaps that caused us to have to relook at the claim. There's so many different scenarios, it's hard to speak to specifics. If it falls under the 1099 self-employed and the pandemic unemployment assistance, those have taken us a little longer for obvious reasons because it's a program that's never been administered before through unemployment. And I was just reading a document that said there's been 22 million claims filed in this country since March 14th. So, again, it could be to volume, but we ha we are getting that program stood up and expect to be paying those uh, over the weekend for the first time. 
That's great. We're going to go to uh, Sarah Rector uh, today. She's a Pikeville salon owner. Sarah, welcome to the town hall. Hi. Uh, yes, Hi. my name is Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Rector. How can we? Yeah, I own a salon actually in Crossville, and uh, I live in Pikeville. But I was wondering, do they classify salons with retail when he's talking about reopening with phasing in? Because we haven't heard anything about salons. They just keep saying retail and restaurants. Yes, ma'am. So under the uh, Department of Commerce and Insurance is where cosmetology, uh, barbershops are, are licensed, and they are currently working on some guidelines to be able to give to salons, barbers, um, tattoo parlors, and so forth for you to be able to reopen. Uh, obviously, you're working directly with a customer. You're touching that customer. You're uh, totally um, in, in, in their personal space, if you will. So with that being said, the department is working very hard to try to bring those guidelines to give to you so that you can get open as quickly as possible. Uh, everyone knows that uh, uh, has seen me, they realize I need a haircut too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to go to Natasha Langford. Uh, Natasha's got a question about student loans. Natasha, you're live. Hey. Yes. Um, I have student loans from Tennessee Tech, and I was wondering when those will restart, you can restart paying those, or are they, I've heard they're off till September. Is that true, or is it just one payment? This is Senator Bailey, and, and Natasha, is, what my understanding is, is those uh, payments have been deferred until September, so uh, you'll not have to make any of those until September, and that was deferred by the federal government. That's great. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to go to Brian Parrott. Uh, he's got a question about unemployment benefits. Brian, you're on live, sir. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, my question was um, a lot of folks around the Cookville area's pay has been reduced, depending on which manufacturing company that they work for, by a certain percentage. And I was just wondering if any of those unemployment benefits could be attained uh, due to that, or do you have to be fully unemployed to, to gather any of those benefits? So what? this is Jeff McCord. I'm going to kick that to Rusty, too, because I know he'll have a very succinct answer for you. Okay, so that's an excellent question. We get asked that a lot because there's a lot of confusion about the program. And the way it works is this. If your hours have been reduced, you could possibly be eligible for benefits. And under this new CARES Act, if you are eligible for $1 of unemployment in a week, then you also get this additional $600 that goes with it. However, the rules of unemployment still dictate that. So, for instance, if you are having your hours cut, but you're still making more than you would draw on unemployment, then you're not eligible for unemployment or the additional 600 So the best thing to do, the answer is, if, you, if you've had your hours cut, and you file an unemployment claim, you'll get what's called a monetary determination. And that monetary determination will tell you exactly what you're set up to draw. If you're making more, even working part-time, than you're set up to draw for unemployment, then you wouldn't be eligible for the benefits. But that is an excellent question. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to move on and go to uh, Mr. Hodge. Mr. Hodge, you're on live, sir. Yes, I was looking to know about the people who draw unemployment, whether or their Social Security, where they're going to get it or not. 
What, uh, Mr. Hodge, what's your specific question there again? Uh, are you saying that if you draw Social Security, are you el- are you eligible for unemployment? Is that your question? Yeah, he went back to the queue. That's what he was asking, sir. Okay, so that's another good question. Anytime you file for unemployment, um, one of the standard questions is, are you drawing any sort of additional income? And the department will look at that income and make a decision on whether you're eligible or not. And while that seems like while that seems like a, a very wide range answer, it's because we have to address pensions, whether they were paid by a base period employer or not, and all the different factors of that particular situation. So if you file for unemployment, just make sure and answer that question that you are drawing Social Security, and we will make a determination. Guys, we're going to go to Pearl Jackson. Pearl, you're on live. Hi. I just got a question. My husband and I are drawn, uh, we're on Medicare, and we don't have to do taxes. So are we going to be entitled to the stimulus checks also? Yes. Yes, ma'am, you are. Now, did they just deposit it into our accounts, just like the our Medicare checks go in automatic deposit? Yes, ma'am. I, that is my understanding. Of course, we're talking more on the state level, and I know many of you have questions in regards to the stimulus money that's coming down from the federal government, and uh, certainly don't want to put any of the other uh, members of the call uh, on the spot. But my understanding is is that uh, that would be directly deposited into uh, your account if you're currently receiving benefits from the federal government into uh, into a bank. Thanks so much, Pearl. And also, you can find great information on whitehouse.gov. And if you have a question about the health aspect of coronavirus, uh, the cdc.org has the most up-to-date information. Um, okay, we're going to go to Betty Smith. Hello. Hi, Betty. What's your question, ma'am? Well, I was asked which situation I would be the most interesting, interested in whether it would be the financial situation or the medical situation of this opening the businesses. And I, I'm, I'm, sympathy, I'm sympathetic to the people that might uh, suffer from the medical situation. Uh, we're, we're a strong country, and we, we help people out. And I think that people are, are scared right now. They've never endured this before. But they'll get along, and it'll get worked out. But if you get the medical situation and you don't survive, that is a, a terrible thing that cannot be worked out. And well, thank you so much for that, that uplifting uh answer and, and again if you're having medical questions um then <clears throat> go to the cdc.org uh one thing that i think from our questions should be asked is is what they're going to be doing uh concerning state employment uh requirements uh to to keep healthy uh do we have anybody that can answer that question well i think that we need to follow the cdc guidelines you know need to continue to wash your hands. We need to uh, make sure that we sanitize any services that we come in contact with. And I think we need to encourage all of our businesses to, to do the to do the same thing. That's great. We're going to uh, go with Harlan from uh, – excuse me, sorry, did you have a, another follow-up? 
Well, uh, one question that's come across, and, and um, Ryan, I just wanted to bring uh, Mr. Dromberger in from the uh, uh, school aspect of it uh, regarding uh, end of school year. You know, many parents out there are concerned about what, uh, um, if, especially if they have a senior, whether they're going to have a senior prom, if there's going to be graduation, uh, what sport's going to be uh, like uh, in the summer, and then how we will restart our uh, next uh, school year. So I'd like to bring Mr. Dromberger in, if we could, and let him address that. Yes, thank you, Senator. Um, you know, I met recently with all the directors from the Upper Cumberland region, and we discussed those very things. I, I can't speak for every specifically for every district. I do have some data here, but in a nutshell, uh, most of the directors felt like prom was just an unnecessary risk at this point, just the unknown of where this is going moving into the summer. Most, you'll want to check with your individual uh, school system, but most districts in the Upper Cumberland were shying away from a school prom. Uh, as we are here in White County. As far as graduation goes, we desperately want to have an in-person ceremony, and most are planning for such, even if it's not on a traditional date. It may be later in the summer, uh, but most schools are planning for that. Uh, but they have a plan B or plan C in place, which would look something like a drive-through or drive-up celebration uh, to, to award diplomas. But we certainly want to recognize those folks and trying everything we can to make that happen. As far as uh, school starting next year, um, over the summer, we, we are still working, by the way. Schools are not open for, for school work, but uh, well, we are still working. We are serving meals every day in all of our school systems, um, and we're still providing work online and in paper form. So uh, our, our schools are doing a great job across the Upper Cumberland and working together and serving families. This summer, you'll still see uh, summer feeding programs, summer reading programs, more supplemental material. Uh, we need parents to stay involved like never before with their children's education. Uh, and then going back to school in the fall, there will be uh, probably some remediation involved. There will definitely be some schedule changes in order to accommodate more makeup or uh, remediation for time missed. Uh, it's looking like about a two-year plan of catch-up over all the lost time of learning. We can't expect to make this all up in, in one fell swoop. So uh, uh, we'll continue to work with the Tennessee Department of Education and our local LEAs to uh, set up a plan to uh, make that time up, but it looks like it's going to be a lengthy um, procedure. And then finally, you spoke to, uh, to sporting events. Um, we expect more guidance from the TWSAA, and even tomorrow we expect a little more guidance. But the latest announcement from uh, that camp was that spring sports are canceled in their entirety, uh, and that takes us through the end of the school year, which for most folks is the end of May, and uh, even into the early June, some of the championships. Uh, then, then they enter into the dead period, uh, so-called dead period in June. And so spring, uh, excuse me, fall sports are not set to start in some cases practices till the middle of July. So we don't have anything definite right now, but I know a lot of folks are thinking about tryouts and things that normally happen this time of year. Right now we don't have an answer to that other than we're just following safety and health guidelines which say we have to stay apart. So those tryouts and those early Spring practices are off right now until we get further guidance, so we expect that very soon from the TWSAA. That's great. Uh, we're going to go to Harlan Robinson, and please hang on, folks. We've got seven or eight people in the queue for questions, and I'm going to get to as many as possible. Harlan, you're live, sir. Harlan? Yes. You're live. What's your question? Oh, I was wanting to know if people on Social Security like myself are still going to get a stimulus check of 
$1,200 or if that money's been spent already like some of the other money. All right, thanks, sir. Thank you, Harlan. Yeah, thanks, Harlan, for calling in and asking that question. And uh, my understanding is, is, no, that fund was uh, not limited. Anyone that was eligible to receive the $1,200 will be receiving that uh, directly from the federal government. Uh, we're going to go to Barbara. Barbara, what's your question? Yes, I actually have two different questions. Um, and one of those is many college students are having issues with balancing online classes along with homeschooling children and other personal issues. Currently, if you do not maintain continuous enrollment and reconnect hope and promise, you cannot continue utilizing the program. With those who may need a break to recoup costs or if a second wave happens in the fall and need child care to adequately take online college classes, will any legislative bills be considered for those who are in those programs to pre or even those that are uh, have a scholarship? Um, can any bill be utilized to make sure that if they need that break, they can go ahead and go back instead of being kicked out? That's and a great that would question. Be That's your first question? Yes. Do I need to go ahead and do my second? <laughs> well, well, let's just touch on that one first. Uh, obviously, we're in, you know, uncharted territory in regards to the coronavirus and, and the effects that it's had not only on our economy but also on our um, education system. So I can say to you that the legislature would be open uh, for suggestions and obviously we'll be working with um, uh, Tennessee Higher Education Commission as well as uh, Department of Education for suggestions on any type programs that uh, would help those uh, students that uh, have been in those programs and had to basically uh, stay at home uh, to take care of their children, how we can continue to keep them reconnected. So what's your second question? Okay, so secondly, um, right now students are charged for online and alternative fees for online classes at Tennessee Tech, which averages about 129 per credit. And with those, sometimes there's not even an, uh, an alternative on-site class that's offered, and they have to have it for their degree. So they're stuck with this online and al alternative fee. Well, now everybody has went online. <laughs> um, and so those that had to take it at the first are stuck with this bill. Is there any kind of legislative bill that could be considered to um, pay, the, pay that back since everybody's online? And then also, for the future, can legislation be considered for that if you're going to be charged for this online fee, that there actually does have to be an alternative on-site class so that they're not stuck with uh, paying the fee? And I'll give you an example. My daughter actually ended up having to take two for her teaching program and was charged an extra $600 that we had to end up paying out of, you know, pocket that we weren't expecting and that was above and beyond her scholarships that she had. Um, my son also had to, instead of taking a class, because the, an on-site class is full, he just had to wait another semester until he could take it, which, you know, kind of delays things and stuff like that. And sorry, I just wanted to, uh, and again, thank you very much and, and, and listen. As I stated earlier, we're in a lot of uncharted territory with the effects of this virus, and I know that our education system has been really uh, turned upside down, and I think there's, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of new policies that come out over the next uh, legislative session that will uh, help address a lot of the concerns that you have brought to us tonight. We've certainly been hearing those same concerns from other students. So I think uh, next year, uh, being 2021, when we go back into legislative session, you'll start seeing uh, a lot of the concerns of, of students today being um, brought forward in, in the form of legislation and or changes by the Department of Education. Okay, we got a great question, looks like, from Sharon in Fairfield Glade. Sharon, you're live. Thank you for doing this, first of all. Uh, yes, ma'am. My question, my question and my concern is Fairfield Glade is considered a resort. When they uh, do these big golf tournaments and, in addition, they have timeshares, and it's considered some place to really go. People come from many other states. My concern is what is being done to look at somehow controlling that opening. Um, we just don't know who's going to be bringing in what from where. And my concern is that nobody might be uh, concerned about that or looking at it carefully. Sharon, and thank you uh, for, for that question. And as you know, that uh, Fairfield Glade is governed by a board, and I'm sure that um, many residents there in the Fairfield Glade area are bringing those very same concerns to that board, and I'm sure that Mr. Um, Weber will be addressing that and making sure that uh, those resorts, when they open, that uh, people that come into those resorts are, are uh, properly uh, screened and, and also make sure that the residents in Fairfield Glade are uh, kept safe. Um, we're going to go to uh, Jim Kennedy. Yeah, thanks for taking our call. Uh, got two questions. The first question is the uh, $600 uh, kicker for unemployment from the federal government, is that a one-time payout or is it weekly? No. So this is Jeff McCord. Uh, no, sir, that is weekly. Okay. Yeah, we're getting some misinformation on it. And I'm, I've uh, got a uh, small manufacturing business here, and we're considered essential. And one of the challenges we're having as people that are employed with us are ill, uh, you know, we, we've asked them to stay at home. We've had to get some temporary help, and some of the temporary help, you know, they'll come in and work one day and then realize you're making $875 a week. Why come to work? So, you know, we, we've got a challenge there. Uh, in the uh, workforce. Uh, my second question, and it actually is coming from my wife who is sitting here next to me, uh, when will elective surgeries resume across the state? Wow, that is a good question, and, and I've been reading various, uh, and certainly any of the other guests that are on here can jump in on that. Uh, it, it's going to depend upon what part of uh, the state that you live in. Uh, and the PPE equipment that's available to those uh, various surgery centers. So I, I think it's going to be dependent, of, again, on what part of the, um, the state of Tennessee that you're in. Uh, commissioner or anyone else want to uh, elaborate any more on that, or is that answered that pretty pretty much the... Senator Jeff McCord here. I, I 
think you answered it exactly right. I think we'll begin to find out more tomorrow um, when at the governor's press conference as well. Great. Okay. We've got uh, several more questions that we're going to queue up, folks. And uh, I know that we've got one from Jimmy in Crossville, and he wanted to know if you can get SBA loan and unemployment assistance. Tyler, do you want to jump on that one? I can. I can answer that question. Uh, you cannot. You cannot get the unemployment and a the payroll protection program both. You you have to pick one or the other. All right, we're going to go to Elizabeth Delise. Elizabeth, what's your question? Well, I have two questions actually. Um, okay. One is uh, is is about the education. My son is a junior here in Crossville, Tennessee, at CCHS. And why do we have any online schooling for them? That's the number one question. And my second question is: I've also had two lung surgeries, and I did not have to leave work, but I did because we were concerned about my condition because if I caught this I could die. And uh and the unemployment system is just awful and it just keeps saying processing and I can't call anybody and there's no there's there's just nothing that you can do. Oh, uh, you know, I just keep laughing about it. I mean, it's like I understand that it's overwhelmed, but um What's going on for somebody like me? Am I able to, even though I can work now, my job is still open, and I can work. But so Elizabeth, you're so Elizabeth, you're saying that you had taken off simply because uh, of your uh, health condition, and you've been trying to get your unemployment. Uh, Commissioner, do you want to just uh, touch on that, and then I'm going to kick it over to Mr. Dronebarger and let him uh, see if he can yeah, answer the question. Let let me uh, uh, take that first, Elizabeth. So you're right. We are um, stretched very thin in systems and in ability to take phone calls. We have put in, as of uh, tomorrow, the and built built and put in the system that you may fall under, even if you don't fall under the traditional uninsurance insurance system. And that system is, is starting to pay and process claims now. As that happens. Um, and as we improve the system, which is also happening, our phone call volume will our phone call volume will drop uh, because those are the main questions that we're having. It sounds like from your situation that you may actually qualify uh, for the pandemic unemployment assistance. There's a variety of factors there that would may qualify you if you don't qualify for traditional unemployment insurance. And I'll with that, I'll let Rusty finish this answer off. Okay, so that's a good question, but I really don't have anything to add. Um, the commissioner answered that perfectly. You know, in normal circumstances where that might not be um, an approvable claim, uh, under the CARES Act, it very well could be. It will just have to go through the adjudication process. And it actually brings up a really good point about the program that I think everybody needs to hear. Um, the one thing that's not advertised is we we typically – in these situations, you have to go through the process to see if you qualify for Tennessee unemployment, regular state benefits, 
before you ever know if you qualify for the pandemic unemployment assistance. And sometimes that can add some additional time to it. So it was a really good question. Folks, so we got our poll results tonight, and we had 68.5% of you were more concerned about the economic impact. And uh, we're going to go with a question or two more, and then Senator Bailey's going to give us some closing remarks. Uh, Let's go with Laura. Laura, you're live. Okay. Um, I own a day spa in Cookville where we do mostly uh, therapeutic massage. So I'm wondering, one, where do we fall at? Are we under, like, the salon, and will they have guidelines set up for us? Hey, Laurie, I believe I know you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, because I've got several several clients that are just dying, so I've got to figure out what we've got to do. (laughs) I got you. Well, well, listen, uh, we're hoping that the – Governor's uh, ERG group will have guidelines out for you either tomorrow or at the latest first of next week so that you can uh, get your clients back in there and uh, start helping them out. Obviously, kind of falls under the barber cosmetology uh, guidelines. You're working directly with that patient. You're touching that patient, that client. And so uh, they're looking for best practices for you to be able to um, reopen, and we hear you, we've been hearing you, and so we want to get you open just as soon as possible. Okay. Thank so you. We're going to go with uh, Henry, uh, last question of the evening. Henry, thanks for waiting so long. What's your question? Uh, really just clarification that the SBA uh, won't solicit customers. We have to go to them just so we don't fall into a scam. Is that correct? Yes, that that is correct. The SBA wants you to come directly to them if you apply for the um, economic injury disaster loan. That is directly through the SBA. Those of you that are in, interested in these SBA loans, I certainly want you to know that you have a resource in the Upper Cumberland Development District. Uh, it's a local resource there. It's somebody that you can trust, that you can go to, ask them questions, make sure that any of the SBA programs that are being offered are good for you and make sure that there's uh, anything that's been offered to you is not a scam. So definitely use the Upper Cumberland Development District as a resource to ensure that you're not uh, being scammed. All right, let's go with Bobby. Bobby, this great question. You're on live, sir. Hello, uh, Sarah. This is for Senator Bailey. Um, I was just wondering uh, if the state opens a little too early and we have a setback or a reinsurgent, you know, a reinsurgence of this disease or uh, pandemic, whatever we want to call it, what is the state doing to be a little better prepared for the next go-around? Well, one thing we need to, to realize is that once we begin opening up the state, that there could be a possible uh, re-emergence of, of the COVID-19. And one thing that the state has realized, as well as the federal government, is how to prepare for that. We also know that uh, the numbers that we were given early on, uh, we did not get to those numbers. We did not need the required number of uh, hospital beds and ventilators that uh, were originally predicted. But the, the good news is we have those in place today. Our medical system is in place today to deal with any type of an outbreak. 
that could reemerge with the opening of Tennessee. All right, thanks so much. All right, we're going to do one more here. We got Brandon. Brandon, you're live. Hello, and I appreciate y'all doing this uh, call uh, first and foremost. Um, I was on unemployment previously to this pandemic coming through, and my benefit had exhausted right before uh, everything got shut down. I was starting to get interviews and everything like that, but obviously everything's been kind of put on hold. Um, I have read some on the Tennessee uh, websites about uh, possibly getting an extension on my benefits until things open back up. But I haven't really seen anywhere uh, where I need I can reapply, and I've had issues getting through the phone system, of course, because you guys are have been just slammed with phone calls. Um, I, one, I was wondering if you guys know how I can reapply for that extension, and two, um, if I'm actually eligible for that extension. Rusty, you want to take that one? Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's a, another good question. Uh, sort of in two parts. Whether or not you're eligible, that's going to depend on, on some different factors. So we don't ever just make a broad assumption that yes, these are and yes, these aren't. But the best thing to do is file the claim, which leads to your second question. If you're inside of a benefit year and exhausted your benefits, you're in a rare circumstance in that the system probably will not let you file a new claim because it sees you in that benefit year and with no options. So the best thing to do is file a ticket with the department, and we will get to that ticket as fast as we can. We've got extra resources work and all kinds of overtime, and we will get to that ticket, get it into the system for you, and determine your eligibility. Friends, we've had over 7,000 people on this call tonight at various times. And, um, Senator, why don't you close us out with some closing remarks? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to say that uh, the email address is paul at paulbailey4fortn.com. Also, uh, constituents uh, can certainly reach my legislative office at 615-741-3978. A lot of Tennesseans are hurting out there. We hear you. We know that you're in need. We're working just as hard and as fast as we can. But I can say that we have hope in Tennessee. We're going to reopen our state. We're going to get our economy back. And this is going to be the best news that anyone can have. And, again, thank you very much, and thanks to all for joining us this evening. This is Paul Bailey. Thank you for listening to the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at backroadsandbackstories.com. And subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Backroads and Backstories podcast.